Today we're dealing and celebrating the Declaration of Independence, but today I want to bring a message to you on the Declaration of Dependence, that the most dangerous place you can find yourself in life is to be independent. And to feel like you have no boundaries, no rules, and no guidelines to live by, you're your own person, that can become the most dangerous place in life to be. And so I want to talk to you today about the Declaration of Dependence. Go with me to the scripture that will be our text throughout this serve series. And it's one that we all know if you've been in the, in the church long, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for Many. How many's glad that Jesus came and and He gave His life not not to come so that we could uh, serve Him, but He came so that He could serve us through His death. And and let me just say, and I want to announce to you this coming Wednesday night is First Wednesday, and we come together every month at our church here for First Wednesday for a night of worship and prayer, and we have a short word. And God really laid on my heart this week as I was with my grandson and then I was at home in prayer. And this Wednesday, we're gonna bring a very, very brief word, but our prayer team's gonna be ready. Our leaders are gonna be in the altar and then we're gonna go into worship. And then we're gonna pray for God to bring freedom from addictions and oppression and sickness. And how many believes that when the church comes together and begins to unite our prayer, we're gonna have my little grandson here, Javen, who's diagnosed terminal, and if he's physically able, he's gonna be here because I want my church praying over my grandson. And I want you, if you're here or you know someone that's facing sickness, addictions, oppression, whatever, God's gonna set a lot of people free in this house Wednesday night, so come out ready to join us for that night. Because Jesus came to give his life a ransom for many, and in that comes freedom in our life. Now, I put a lot of scripture, large passages of scripture in your notes, and, and some of those I'm not going to have time to go over, obviously, because of time, so I wanted you to have them so that you could see them to follow along in this sermon with me today. The Bible says that a righteous exalt, righteousness exalts the nation, but sin condemns any people. July the 4th, 1776, 13 colonies of Americans that were under the rule of Great Britain decided that they were tired, that they felt like as they were citizens of Great Britain, they should have the same rights as the English people did in England. And so they brought this uprising together and said, we're not treated equal, so we want to separate and become a nation within ourselves. And they signed this Declaration of Independence stating that now we are an independent nation of 13 colonies and we will call ourselves the United States of America. But when these men were under the rule of King George in Great Britain, History tells us that when they went to him and they were frustrated because they were not treated the same, they, they, they were not treated with the same equality that, that the English people were treated, that all of a sudden King George, instead of listening, he sent his troops out, declared martial law, he shut down public protests, declared any opposition against him or his nation was intolerable. This created more frustration, which brought on riots, public protests, innocent people being killed and shot in the streets, and justice increased at an alarming rate. Does this sound familiar? Does it sound like modern day America? It should, because it's been this way from the beginning of time. It didn't just happen over the last few years. Sin changed the course of a society as we know it today. It started with Adam and Eve in the garden. When, when God told Adam, you're not to eat of this tree, 
And then the serpent came and deceived and Eve brought the, the apple, if you want to call it that, to Adam. And together they both agreed and ate of it. And God walked through the, the garden looking for Adam and he hid from God because of sin. And when God located him, the first words out of Adam's mouth was, you know that woman you gave me? She calls this. And listen, there was a spiritual battle or warfare that started right then that created a divisive spirit of, of divisiveness and blame and irresponsibility that was released upon mankind at that time. It then traveled to their children, Adam and Eve's children, Cain and Abel, when Cain, the brother of Abel in the field, killed his own brother and took his life. And we see hostility being released. And when God approached Cain and asked him, where's your brother, what was Cain's response? Am I my brother's keeper? And hasn't that become the mentality of the society that we live in today? Then it goes to Joseph who was taken by his own brothers and his brothers wanted to kill Joseph, but the elder brothers stopped them, so they threw him in a pit and they sold him to a caravan of people on the way to Egypt and he was sold into slavery by his own brothers. And then we go to Jesus who was betrayed by his own family, who was denied, who was put on a cross and hung by the very people that he came to save. And we've seen it grow and grow and grow, the hostility, the darkness, the evil of our society. It didn't show up all of a sudden, folks. It's been here from the beginning of time. Jesus warned us that once sin entered the world, that the hearts of men would grow worse and worse that we would enter into a society that would call good evil and evil good. And how many will acknowledge when we were in that society today? It's been a progressive movement. Second Timothy chapter three, I want you to read it with me on the screen. And it says, in the last days, how many believe we're in those days? There will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, you can't make them happy no matter what you do, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Can I tell you something you probably don't wanna hear today? It's not gonna change. I don't care who you put in Washington. I don't care which political party's in charge. I don't care who's in the Supreme Court. It's not gonna change. It hasn't changed from the beginning. It's not gonna change today. It's only gonna get worse. Now, I know you didn't come to church to hear that, but I'm just telling you the truth. But that world isn't my world. He said we're in the world, but we're not of the world that that's what is on the outside, but Jesus said, I'm the Prince of Peace. What you're not gonna find out there, you can have in here because Jesus resides inside of your heart and your spirit. You see, society as we know it is not going to change until Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom upon this earth. Read the scripture. The Bible said, suddenly, the trump of God's gonna sound. The dead in Christ are gonna rise. And those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up to join the Lord in the air and we shall forever be with the Lord. What is the very next thing that's gonna happen after the rapture? The Bible said that God in heaven is gonna take Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. He's gonna bind them up and cast them into hell for eternity. And the next thing that's gonna happen is we're gonna have a thousand years of peace. Because you will never experience peace on this earth as long as the devil's alive in it. 
And so the first thing that Jesus is going to do is give us what we've been crying for for generations, peace. And so I want us to look at this today because warfare we shared with you two weeks ago is not. Jesus said our war, our battle is not with flesh and blood. That means other people. Our battle is not with other people. My battle is not Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, black or white, rich or poor, Christian or non-Christian. My battle is not other people. My battle is against principalities, demonic forces assigned to those who make laws of the land, powers, demonic powers, demonic sources that are now assigned to those who interpret those laws and live them out, our law enforcement, parents, those that are in authority. We're not in a battle with each other. We're in a battle with a spiritual force that's been assigned to all of us that doesn't see color or political party or social standing. He doesn't care where you're at in life. He wants your soul. He wants you forever. And while we're over here in an argument trying to fix a society that we have no control over is handed over to the demonic forces the church is time for us to come together and realize that we've been bought with a price we've been appointed for such a time as this that God's brought us together red yellow black and white in this house he's brought us together rich and poor we've got doctors and attorneys sitting in here with homeless people that come in for food every Sunday we've got folks in all races I started to bring every nationality in this church on this stage and realize I'd have more people up here than I did out there. It won't work in this church. God's brought too many of us together. Realize that we're a nation under God. You see, the question is not can we fix society. The question is how do we live our life to impact a society that we can't change, we can only impact. How, How do we impact that society? We learn it through some things that these group of men that signed this Declaration of Independence had and did. Let me give them to you very quickly. Number one, they declared their dependence upon God. They declared their dependence upon God. In declaring their independence from England, our founding fathers made an equally bold declaration of dependence upon Almighty God. It was a very bold and dangerous decision for each man who signed it. They signed it looking and hoping for a better life, a better future. Their hope was in God to provide it. Look at it. Here's some statements from the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It then goes on to say, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, God, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our honor. Now, I want you to notice something today. This pledge was made in the midst of a dark, evil, self-serving environment that started with Adam and Eve. It went from Adam and Eve to Cain and Abel. It went from them to Joseph. It went from them to Jesus, and now it's come to us. And so all of this sounds wonderful, but you got to remember it was written by men whose hearts are still evil. We're dark outside of God and his presence. Come on, are you with me today? And and I want to show something to you. Because of that evil, because of that darkness, even those who declared their independence found them using their freedom to enslave others. And we've been doing that from the beginning of time. 
Christians are enslaving unbelievers because they don't live like us, so let's judge them rather than love them. Come on, somebody, I'm preaching to you today. We, we judge other people that don't look like us. We judge, and so we use our freedom to enslave other people because they're not like me. And we've got to come and look at this today, that when they said in the Declaration of Independence, all men, they didn't really mean all men. What they meant was all men like me. Equal rights, equal freedom for all men as long as you're like me. But there's only one declaration that really offers that level of freedom and truth and it's called the Holy Bible, the Word of God that will come and transform every one of our life and give us, we're trying to find from man what's not there and thus we become frustrated. But can I tell you today, our trust, our faith, our hope is not in Washington, it's not in a president, it's not in a political power, it's not in some personality. We need to go back to our ABCs of Christianity. I look at God and I see A, he's the alpha and my omega. In B, he's my bread of life and my bright morning star. In C, he's my creator and my cornerstone. In D, he's my day star, the door, and he's my deliverer. In E, he's my everlasting father. In F, he's the foundation of my faith and the fairest of 10,000. In G, he's my good shepherd and the gracious one. In H, he's my healer and my high priest. In I, he's Emmanuel, God with us, and he's the infinite one. In J, he's the judge, the just, the Jesus, and he's Jehovah. In K, he's the kinsman redeemer. In L, he's the lily of the valley, the light of the world, and he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. In M, he's the mediator, the mighty God, and the merciful one. In N, he's the name that's above every name. He's the nurturer of my soul. In O, he's Omega and the overcomer. In P, he's the prophet, the prince of peace, the protector and my Passover lamb. In Q, he's the quail from heaven, the manna in time of hunger. In R, he's my redeemer. He's the rock, the rose of Sharon, and he is our resurrection. In S, he's the son of God, the sword, the shield, and the sacrifice for sin. In T, he's the tree of life, the teacher, and he is truth. In U, he's undefiled, unlimited in atonement, and he's unchanging God. In V, he's the vine, the veil rent from top to bottom for our freedom to access to the Father. In W, he's water of life, the way, the word, and he's called wonderful. And X, he's got x-ray vision to see the secrets of man's heart. And Y, he's Yahweh. And Z, he's zealous. Zerubbabel, the New Testament, the glory of Mount Zion. Come on, church. My hope is not in man. My hope is not in man's system. We're of the world. We're out of the world, but we're not of the world. We live in a different kingdom. And today, God wants you to come and stop putting your, your hope and your faith and your trust in a man or a political party and all that energy that we're throwing into something that can't change anything. We need to start putting our energy back in our dependence upon God, our love for one another, and finding ways that we can, that we can change injustice through action, not through words. Our dependence comes back. On God. I can't change society, so I must learn how to impact it through my dependence on God, being a light set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Number two, y'all with me? I'm getting preachy again. Oh, well. We must not forget God. 
We must not forget God. As a nation, we cannot forget God. And we're throwing him to the side. We're, we're trading him for political parties. We're trading him for, for political figures. We're trading him for things that are just taking us deeper into this cesspool of darkness and evil. And we think it's okay because it's standing up for something, but it's not going to change anything. We've got to come back to the hope that's only found in Jesus Christ. You see, I'm in a bad position. I've got blacks that are threatening me, and, and I've been threatened by some big organizations from the black culture because I reach black people, and I love black people. My family's biracial. Kind of hard to call me a racist. I've been threatened by the KKK, written letters. My children have been threatened, had to have guards follow them at school in first grade. I've been, I'm in the middle because when you represent the kingdom, you're not trying to make friends with either side. You're trying to live justice and serve God and do what's right and let the cards fall where they fall. But my dependence is not in man. My dependence is one who created me and called me to stand on this platform for such a time as this and declare that no man, no organization, no group of people is gonna change the society that you're living in. Only the word of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the change of a life that only Jesus can bring is gonna change your world. It's the only one that can do it. I can't forget him. I can't get pulled aside. I can't get distracted. And believe me, I get all these calls, join this bandwagon, join this, join that. No, I gotta stay focused on what's gonna work, and that's the word. You can't forget God. Deuteronomy 8.11 says, be careful when you eat and are satisfied, when you build houses and settle down, when you have multiplied and become great, then your heart becomes proud and you forget the Lord, your God. You see, my generation grew up in church where everything was about Christians. I grew up in church. Every sermon was to us as Christians. The songs we sang were to Christians. An unsaved person would come in our church and didn't know a thing going on because they couldn't identify with it. Everything was about us. It was about us as Christians. But then the Bible gives us a pattern. He says that they met in the temple. But he said, then they went house to house daily. They broke bread together and they ate together. They fellowshiped together. And the Bible said, God added to his church daily such as should be saved it didn't happen in the sanctuary on Sunday. It happened when you and I learned how to live life together and break bread together. And we lay aside these divisive tactics the enemy has put in place to say me as a black or a white man and a, a black man can't be together at lunch or, or that we can't share a common factor in life that the enemy wants to continue to divide us and separate us. But God said he added to the church daily when the church started fellowshipping with people not like them. When's the last time you had lunch with an unbeliever? When's the last time an unbeliever was in your house for fellowship? Or are we just learning to live with people like us that creates this judgmental spirit and attitude because until you've lived in the pain of another man, don't judge him for walking through it. We've got to come and realize that we can't forget God. And when you start living for you, you're forgetting him. I hear this religious thing. I've heard it all my years of ministry, this comment. I want more, pastor. I want more. 
I want more too, but what do you need that you don't already have that's more important than giving for what you do have to someone who has nothing? Let me slow it down. What do you need that you don't already have that's more important than giving to someone from what you have that has nothing? I want more than give out of what God's already given you. If not, you're forgetting him and you're focusing on you. Well, I I, want to hear more, Pastor. I I want to hear deeper. I want want deeper word, Pastor. I want to hear more. What do you need to hear that you haven't already heard that's more important than giving from someone what you know that hasn't heard yet? Well, I want to experience more in God. And what do you need to experience from God that you haven't already experienced that's more important than you sharing from what you have experienced with someone who's yet to understand and know the truth? See, we've made even church about us. It's like, what do I get on Sunday? What are you going to do for me, God? When if God never did another thing for Dan Livingston, these bones will praise him from the grave because he's been too good to me undeservingly. Come on, somebody, anybody else in here? And I'm, I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm trying to preach to you today. Well, what if that had been the attitude of Jesus? When he's going to the cross, I I want more, Father. This isn't for me. This is not about me. And no, I hear Jesus say, if possible, take this cup from me. Not my will, but your will be done. That he never forgot the Father, and he never forgot why he was here, and he never forgot the blessing and the favor of God on his life. And he would look up to him and say, not my will, but your will be done. Because I understand you didn't send me for us. You sent me for them. God, bring that attitude back in the church. And I love this church. I love pastoring this church. This is an easy sermon to preach here because I know nothing's going to get thrown at me. And I haven't felt that way in some places I've preached some of these sermons. Matter of fact, I've been stopped in a few sermons. Really. And never asked back, and I don't know why. But can we come and understand today that we must have our dependence upon God, number one, and number two, we can't forget him and his blessings. Come on, anybody in here can declare he's done me nothing but good. I don't understand some of the heartache. It hadn't all been easy. It hadn't all been wonderful. It hadn't all been painless. There's been some rough stuff in this journey, and I know you can write your chapter in that book too, but I want to tell you something. No, we're not, the, the, we're not a perfect nation, but you don't have to go to many other nations to go thank God for America, and there's a whole lot of stuff here, but it's not flesh and blood. It's spiritual, and the reason, I'm going to get at the end, why the enemy hates America so much is that we did have a, a speck of the light of Jesus that wanted to shine in our nation. We cannot forget God. Never let your Christianity be about you only, but let it always be about other people. And number three, they realize that our real freedom comes not from Christ, in Christ. Being free is not gonna happen by coming to church. Let me go ahead and throw that out to you as pastor. It ain't going to happen. You can sit here every Sunday, put your tithe in the offering. You can raise a hand and worship, and that's not going to set you free. But when you have one encounter with Jesus Christ, he'll change your life forever. I said, when you have one true encounter with Jesus Christ, he'll do in you in a moment what a counselor couldn't do in 30 years. Just an encounter with Christ can transform your life. And true freedom does not come through man. It doesn't come through organizations. It doesn't come through people. It comes through the spirit of Jesus that's alive inside of us. 
The New Testament word for freedom is redemption. To be set free, to be bought with a price, free from our bondage. And I shared this on Father's Day as I share with you from the heart of a father, not preaching to fathers, but talking as the father of the house. If you're in this church, and this church is not made up of a bunch of wonderful, goody-goody Christians that grew up in church all their life, we got some stuff sitting in these pews here today. Come on. Come on. How many's thankful for the house that's a hospital, not a club? Amen? And, and I, I, have, I have all these people that, like these groups that got set free from drugs that keep calling me going, we want to come to your church and share. And, and they're great ministries, don't get me wrong. And I'm going, half my church was a drug addict. It's not going to be this big shock when we get up and go, God set us free from drugs. I said, we see that every Sunday. And, and, and I want to say to you today that, that when we come and realize that, that God wants to set you free, but I want to talk to you again. If you're in this house and you're under this leadership, if you're entertaining the very things in your life that you needed Jesus to set you free from, stop it. Stop doing it. Quit entertaining the very thing because if you're still desiring I'm not saying struggling with, if you're still desiring the very thing you needed God to save you from, you met the church, but you haven't met Jesus yet. Because when you meet Jesus, old things pass away. All things become brand new. Have an encounter with Jesus and you'll find the freedom that you're looking for. Come on, y'all still with me? Got quiet on that one. Must be talking to somebody. Ooh, okay. You see... Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. That word free there means I'm no longer enslaved to whatever that issue was. I'm no longer enslaved by it. Titus put it like this in the book of Titus. He says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Come on, we heard that word all before, but it didn't mean all. But now I see it in the scripture and it means all. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing is coming of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem There it is, to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Patrick Henry, in his famous speech before the Virginia Providence Convention, he concluded it with this, three million people armed in the holy cause of liberty and in such a country as that we possess are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us. Besides, we shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destiny of nations and who will raise up friends to fight our battle for us. The battle, get this, the battle is not to be strong alone. It is to be vigilant, to be active, and to be brave. And I close with this. You think America and all that we're seeing today and all the hostility and the divisiveness and the anger and the hatred and the murder and all that's going on is new? You need to go back and look at the Jewish people. They've been enduring this from the beginning of time, from Egypt, when Pharaoh put a decree that the firstborn male was to be put to death to destroy the the possibility of a nation of people growing 
developing as a nation. It didn't start when somebody got mad in America. It didn't start with slavery. It started all the way back with the Jewish people in Egypt. And every generation that allows something in modesty, the next generation will indulge in it, good or bad. And you see, the Jews have been hated from the beginning of time, from pharaohs in Egypt to kings, monarchs, and presidents. They have suffered non-ending insults, attacks, and oppression. Today, Israel, the size of New Jersey, sits surrounded by 22 Arab Muslim nations that seeks her destruction. They occupy 640 times her landmass and outnumber her 50 to 1. Over 10,000 rockets have been fired upon her and her citizens since the year 2000. Today, Hezbollah has 40,000 rockets aimed at Israel. Today, Syria has over 100,000 rockets aimed and pointed at the nation of Israel seeking her destruction. But if you go to Israel today, and I'm a Christian Zionist, a Zionist, and I, I love Israel, and I believe Genesis 12, 3 is the word of God. If you bless her, he'll bless you. And if you curse her, he'll curse you. And this church supports Israel through dollars that come through this church every month. We're getting the gospel out, and we support Israel. But I've been to Israel, and if you go to Israel, you will find this. While there's hatred and animosity surrounding her, 22 nations, 640 times her landmass, outnumbered 50 to one by the people that are seeking her destruction. They don't want her land. Go to Israel. There's nothing there in the land to want. It's like desert land covered with thorns and thistles. It's not even anything attractive. It's not the land that they want. They want to destroy the people that are connected with the name of Jesus Christ, God Almighty, the God of heavens, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They want to destroy. The enemy wants to destroy our battle is not with flesh and blood it's with these demonic spiritual principalities and powers and, and you go to Israel and you'll find this while there's rockets aimed at them and there's terrorist attacks taking place on their land almost daily the people don't live like they're at war though they're at war 24-7 you walk the streets and they have a society just like nothing's going on you'll see soldiers with uh, uh, rifles and, and all this weapon you'll see them everywhere but the citizens live as if nothing's going on and and I was there and I was just from me to that wall from the Iron Dome and I was there with a group of pastors and and I was talking to this young teenage 19 year old female soldier in the Israeli army and I was asking her a question and I said what happens if the dome doesn't work what happens if the dome's not able to block off those rockets that are coming in to kill your people. This 19-year-old Israeli soldier looked at me and said, before that dome was ever created, we had an invisible dome. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that watches over us, his people, and we're in covenant with him that he will protect us and keep us and provide for us and they live like there's nothing going on though they're in war and they will be in war until Jesus comes. But I want to say this to you today, it all started in a manger in a town called Bethlehem. It will end in Israel when Christ sets his foot on the Mount of Olives. The Bible says that Jesus is going to come. He's going to come down and put his foot on the top of Mount of Olives and I stood there. And once he puts his foot on the Mount of Olives, the Bible said it's going to split in half. He's then going to walk through the Kidron Valley, which separates the Mount of Olives from the city of Jerusalem and the Eastern Wall. He's going to walk through that Kidron Valley. He's going to enter the Eastern Gate. 
And there he's going to establish and set up his kingdom. And then he's going to rule the world forever from Jerusalem. Why do you think Jerusalem is such a, a name in our media? Why do you think Jerusalem is such a topic that all the world is attacking the Jews and, and trying to say we've got to divide Jerusalem because the enemy knows that Jerusalem is the very place that Jesus was born. He's the place that he's going to come back to. It's the place that he's going to reestablish his kingdom. And the enemy doesn't want him there. Here's how far the devil's gone. In the Arabic nation, in the Muslim world, they believe that Jesus was only a rabbi. And in history there, a rabbi is not allowed to walk through a cemetery. But when you stand on the Mount of Olives, guess what the Muslims did? They built their cemetery right next to the wall, the eastern wall, right in front of the eastern gate. So that if Jesus just happened to be more than a rabbi, he couldn't enter where he said he was gonna enter. But I got a word for you today, he's not a rabbi. He's the son of God, he's alive. He's part of the Godhead and he's not gonna be stopped by a cemetery. He's gonna step on that Mount of Olives. It's gonna split in half. He's gonna walk through the Kidron Valley. The gate has been closed up at the Eastern wall. It's concrete, it has no door, but he's already showed us in scripture. He doesn't need a door, he's a spirit. He's gonna walk through that wall. He's gonna establish himself as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he's going to establish his kingdom and he's going to rule and reign this earth forever and ever and ever and you and I are going to rule and reign with him on this earth and we will finally have the peace that we've been so seeking for but it did not come through a system and it will not come through other people it's going to come through the person of Jesus Christ so I challenge you on this day of declaration of independence that you make a declaration of dependence. That my dependence is not in man, it's not in government, it's not in personalities, it's still in the person of Jesus Christ. Bow your heads with me. If you're in this room right now, and I know I've got preachy, I apologize. No, I don't, felt good. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Dan, I've got, I've got my faith in all the wrong places trying to get free here, trying to get free there, trying to find peace here, trying to find purpose there. It's just not working. Well, you're in the wrong place, looking in the wrong place. It can only be found in the person of Jesus. And today I want to challenge you, give him a chance. Just give him a chance today. He wants to do what nobody else has been able to do. He really wants to set you free and give you hope and a purpose. If you're here right now and you say, Pastor, I'm just tired of the struggle. I'm tired of the conflict. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of the emptiness. I'm ready for a decision. I need Jesus in my life. Pray for me. If that's you, would you slip a hand up? I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands going up all over this building. I'm ready for a change in my life. And I realize today I've been looking in man. I've been looking to sources. But I, I just need Jesus today. The church, we want to help you. But we can't do what anyone else couldn't do outside of Jesus. It takes him, the center of it all. When you get him, we're gonna help you. I promise you, we're gonna help you. Anyone else who joined this six or seven that raised their hand and said, I just need a change in my life today, Pastor. I need that change. Maybe online, maybe you need to make that choice today. Jesus loves you. He wants to meet you right where you are. Anyone else, very quickly, 
before we pray. If you raise your hand or you did not, you need Jesus in your life. Will you pray this prayer with me? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. Right now, I come to you. I confess, I believe, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.